From the Jesuits of Canada and the United States, this is AMDG, and I'm Eric Clayton. This coming Sunday, December 3rd, is the first Sunday of Advent and the start of a whole new church year. These days leading up to Christmas and beyond can feel overwhelming, spiritually, emotionally, all of it. So it's tempting to say, haven't we already done this? What more do I have to learn from these stories? I'm just going to sit this one out. Today's guest, Joe Durepos, is a story expert. He's worked in publishing for more than four decades as a bookseller, a sales rep, a literary agent, and an acquisitions editor. He helped launch Father Jim Martin's best-selling book, My Life with the Saints, and Mother Teresa's No Greater Love. He's worked with countless other incredible authors, including Becky Eldridge, Father Richard Rohr, Chris Lowney, Joy Laverde, and many more. He retired from Loyola Press in 2018 and was inducted into the Association of Catholic Publishers Hall of Fame in 2019. And now he spends his time coaching writers through his agency, Durepos Literary. But Joe doesn't just read and edit other writers. He's an author himself. And his new work, 2024, A Book of Grace-Filled Days, is the antidote we need to the complacency we might find ourselves in during this season of Advent. Joe shares with us what it was like to prayerfully write a whole year's worth of reflections, what he learned for his own spiritual life, and what we might learn too as a result. Today, as you listen to Joe share about his prayer journey, I invite you to consider your own. What might you add during these Advent days? How might the Spirit be inviting you to prepare anew for the coming of Christ? One suggestion, sign up for our daily Advent Reflections. Just head over to jesuits.org advent. And while you're cruising around the internet, pick up a copy of Joe's book. I've linked to it in the episode description, as well as info on Durepos Literary. And finally, uh, just a note on today's episode, we recorded last week, December 21st. So when Joe mentions the readings of the day, that's the day in question. And now, here's Joe Durepos. All right, Joe Durepos, welcome to AMDG. We're glad to have you with us to kick off the Advent season. Well, thank you for having me, Eric. I'm glad that you asked, and it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, well, it's always it's always a lot of fun to talk to you. I know you have a lot of good stories, so I want to jump right into it. You know, I mean, your your whole career has been centered around stories and storytelling. So I wonder, as we begin this season of Advent, are there any particular stories or particular kinds of stories that you typically reach for? You know, one of the great things about Advent <clears throat> is experiencing this idea of waiting, but not the kind of waiting that, you know, patient waiting. Of course, patience, I think, comes from a Latin verb, which means to suffer. <laughs> so this is patience with joy. This is a radical expectation of something wonderful happening. So as we enter the Advent season, um, your prayer life, <clears throat> your awareness, it should focus on the fact that something beyond comprehension is about to happen. Something that changes everything is about to happen. Something beyond, you know, our, our greatest imagining is about to happen. So we wait with this radical expectation of hope for something so incredible that when it happens, everything is different. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, I love that. And I, <laughs> suffering as, as a patient, uh, patient suffering, right? Um, so what, like, what kind of, um, 
are there any like like uh like books that you i know some folks will like part of their their prayer practice will be a certain book or a certain movie or something that that every year you you watch is there anything like that for you or um or is it always just like something new every year i have a fairly elaborate prayer practice i think i write about it in one of the selections uh in uh, graceville days i uh especially since i've been you know retired for the most part for the last five years i can uh, allow more time, but I get up, you know, at a fairly early time. I have probably a stack of um, maybe 10 devotionals in addition to scripture and prayer books. And I literally go through all the readings um, in these devotionals according to the day after I've done the lectionary readings for the church and after I've said a, a, a group of prayers that I set aside. So <clears throat> I have a fairly elaborate daily morning ritual, which I think is important for everybody to have some kind of successful morning ritual. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, the themes that'll come up in these devotionals correspond to the liturgical year. And so it raises um, my awareness about where we're going uh, in the journey. And I love that. And especially, um, I think today, um, you know, we're getting closer to Jerusalem. Uh, Jesus knows the end is, I think the it was either today or yesterday, the Lament for Jerusalem reading uh, in the Gospel, and this sense of the story of Jesus over time, you know, compressed the three years into the cycles of the liturgical calendar, but this just sense, so today, for instance, I think it's today, um, I don't know if it's the blind man, maybe the blind man was yesterday, today's Lament for Jerusalem, I think. Um, you just have the sense of the weariness of Jesus after three years of teaching, of healings, of feeding thousands, of just constantly being, you know, um, uh, put upon by the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the officials, and this certain weariness that's in him, because though he's God and knows at some level what's about to happen. He's a human being. He's a man. And all this work he's done is coming to this culmination. And he knows in his human frailty that as much as he's done to get the ball over the goal line, the Lord is going to have to take it. And uh, so in faith, like all of us, he pushes towards the end and also has a sense of radical hope and expectation like we do at Advent. This yeah. is different. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, and I think that's so important, right, to be able to sink into that kind of the human side of Jesus, right, and and, and, and find ourselves in that story. Um, and obviously, I mean, you, you've described, you, 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 do, you do a lot of personal prayer, a lot of personal reading for prayer. Um, I do. You've, you've had this this kind of long and, and illustrious career in publishing, so you've, you've read a lot of other people's words on um, on prayer and, and, and Jesus and certainly all matter of things. Is there, as you, as you think about entering that story of Christ, um, you know, in a more intentional way, again, right, year after year, um, is there any, any, um, maybe like unique, um, uh, take that, that a, that a certain author has, or has, has had in the past that you kind of constantly go back to in your own, um, in your own approach that you're like, oh, this is a rich way to enter into Christ's story in, in some, in a, in a way that's maybe a little different than, than the normal, the normal way. I have two go-to people, uh, oddly enough, St. Paul and Frederick Beekner, um, mm -hmm. you know, Protestant minister and teacher. And uh, Beekner famously said, go where your best prayers take you. And St. Paul constantly, under duress, uh, asked us to rejoice and pray unceasingly, and uh, always with the expectation that at some point we will be with the Lord. And so, I, you know, I, those are my starting points each morning. I think it's interesting in the Gospel of John, <clears throat> John says a number of times, um, 
you know, ask the Lord for whatever you need in prayer and it will be given to you. And so I have um, excerpts from four uh, of those readings in the Gospel of John. And I remind myself each morning that though the Lord is not here to grant my wishes, that my prayers aligned with him when I conform to the will of God, God always grants me everything that I need, even when I'm not sure what it is that I need. Yeah, I, I think of my own kind of prayer, I'm always thinking, you know, that that the will of God and our own deepest desires, right? That's 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 one that's one circle on the Venn diagram. And and but the but the prayer to as you as you say, right, the prayer to realize that is is itself a, a spiritual journey, right? Yeah, um, you know, if I could, this um there's a couple of uh <clears throat> famous quotes by Frederick Beekner. Yeah. Your vocation in life is where your greatest joy meets the world's greatest need which I think is extraordinary. And he also goes on to write, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. And I think to get to those places, we have to prayer. We have to pray. We have to be in a state of prayer. And, and by that, what I mean is a state of listening, a state of awareness, you know, what Ignatius would ask us to do, a constant discerning. And uh, I think that's an important way of listening to where God is bringing us in each moment, in each day of our life. Yeah. And as I'm listening to you re- read these quotes and, and describe that, this kind of prayer journey, it's, it feels particularly um, apt for Advent because of that sense of waiting, right? You're, you're waiting, you know, vocation is a journey, but also an unfolding that doesn't necessarily happen, you know, by our, by our watch. Um, right. And so, ad, right. I mean, do, do you ever think of Advent as a way to deepen your understanding of, of your vocation? You know, I, I, I sometimes think of Advent as a mystery that we're living through each year, but we know the solution. You know, it's not a closed door mystery. We know at the end that there's going to be this extraordinary reveal and and we've been given that gift. So it, it's every year is its own mystery, its own drama. You have whatever your situation and circumstances are. But by the time we get to Christmas, we celebrate this extraordinary event um, you know, and I think, is it O Holy Night that says, um, fall on your knees? Hmm. And I think as we approach Christmas and the miracle of Christmas, um, we're overcome by a sense of awe, wonder, reverence, and it's very appropriate to fall on our knees and, uh, and, and take in this, this moment, this moment of uh, extraordinary wonder. Yeah, no, it's beautiful, and and that we're invited into it too, right? I mean, that's such a that's that's the the, the fall on your knees part. You know, I think that's really that's really well said. I, I want to talk about um, you've always mentioned it already a little bit, but I want to kind of really deep dig into your your most recent book, um, a book of grace filled days for for the year of two thousand twenty four. Um, I wonder if if first kind of give us like the elevator pitch. You know, what is it? What's it about? But then, um, can you can you in writing these reflections day after day. Did, did something surprise you? Did something um, reveal itself in the spiritual life that might be helpful for our for our listeners? The this series began a number of years ago, a brainchild of some of the trade team at Loyola Press, and it's basically a way to have a very personal reflection on the daily readings of the church, to engage it in a very personal way, which is something. 
I believe that the church really wants us to do and that we should take advantage of um, more. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, read the readings every morning. I, I read the USCCB uh, email every morning, so I have the readings as I go into my prayer. And it's just a wonderful way to follow along the story as the church has set it about with these different, the three cycles. Um, and then you have Advent and, of course, Lent. So it's this wonderful embarrassment of riches through the readings. Um, <clears throat> I was at Loyola Press for nearly 20 years and commissioned writers to do this series. And I remember always talking them into it and saying, oh, they're short readings. It'll be real easy. No, it's no big deal. We'll pay you. It's great. Um, when Loyola approached me to do it, I thought, man, I know this isn't easy. <laughs> and I know this is going to take a long time. So I really had to pray about it. And I thought, yeah, you know, I think this is a time in, in my life is a good time to take a deep dive and, uh, and look at the scriptures and, uh, and, and sort of live in this story, the narrative. When I was a little boy, and I wrote about this in the introduction to my uh, 2024 book of Graceville Days, uh, one Christmas, we lived in Dover, Delaware, and it was a terrible winter, back when we had winters. And, you know, the snow was up to the windows, and I was done playing with all the toys I got for Christmas. And, of course, in the old days, there was no Internet or, you know, the TV wasn't on all day. I mean, there was quite literally not much to do. And I remember saying to my mom, I'm bored. And she said, well, there's still two you know, two books that your grandmother gave you under the Christmas tree that you haven't touched. Why don't you pick up one of those books and go read? I'm like, oh, Lord, no. So I'm in third grade. I pick them up. They're Hardy Boy books, the first two. And I go in my room and I start reading. And uh, I'm literally transported into a story, the story of Frank and Joe Hardy and their best pal Chet and I, I lost a sense of time I, I lost a sense of place I was with them and that began a, a long romance with reading particularly fiction and the way in which it can invite you in uh, give you perspectives from other characters <clears throat> situations stories take you to places different times and so over the years I've become I mean, I you know, if I don't read a book a week, a novel a week, um, it's a it's a weird week. So, I'm very much a, a big read. Well, when I got this project, got invited to do this project, I thought I'm going to live in scripture, quite literally. I'm going to live in you know. So so what do we have here? We have cycle B. <laughs> so I'm going to live in cycle B for one year, and and what will that feel like? What will that be like? And it was an extraordinary experience. At the end of it, um, I wrote a long list of things that I felt like I, I took away, takeaways from the experience. I selected five um, to talk about in the introduction. And if you, if you don't mind, I, I could read them briefly. Please, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. So these are my takeaways for having entered into this project and living within the church's readings for, for a year in a deep way. Um, the humanity of Jesus is astounding to think about it, that Jesus was a human being like us. That God goes to great lengths to reassure us not to be afraid. That God promises he will always be with us. That God chooses, this is really important, God chooses flawed, imperfect people to perform unimaginably great and transformative feats. He may choose you too. Mm -hmm. And love is at the heart of all things which is the story of the, of the entire scripture, Old Testament and New, is that the love, love is at the heart of all things. Yeah, I, I love that. And I, um, those are some 
those are some really good graces to walk away from. And, and I love this idea of, or to walk away with, and I love the idea of the invitation to sink into um, a whole cycle of, of readings and, and uh, really immerse yourself in, in that. I think that's a good invitation for, for all of us. Um, I, I do want to pause though. I, I, uh, cause, cause knowing that you were on the editorial side of, of the assignment and then to be on the writing side, um, you know, we've had a number of, of editors, you know, a number of your friends on, on this podcast kind of reflecting on um, what it's like to be on one side and what it's like to be on the other side um, and, and what you learn about kind of just the process of, of, of writing, of, of sharing, of, 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 of reflecting in this way. So I'd love your take kind of like you moving from editor to writer. Um, you know, what did you learn? You know, I've always had tremendous respect for writers and the amount of work that they need to do to produce. I've always said, um, I much prefer to be a reader. <laughs> and this experience just reinforced that. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a reader. I'm a, I'm a writer's best friend. I'm an engaged reader. And uh, I always have been. When I was, um, you know, a young man and people would say, what are you going to do when you grow up? What are you going to do for a living? I used to just casually say, I don't know. I'm going to find a way to get paid to read. Well, I didn't really know about, you know, editors and agents and all the various jobs in publishing, but I did discover them at a young age. So it's kind of, it kind of worked out. But um, I just have tremendous respect for um, writers, especially inspirational writers. I, I love religion and spirituality. So I had a chance to work with uh, Jim Manny and mm -hmm. Vanita Wright and Gary Jansen and Joe Paprocki. And uh, these are just extraordinary, wonderful writers. Amy Wellborn, um, Jane Knuth. I, I've had a host of extraordinary people, young people like you, like Becky Eldridge. I mean, there's just so much talent out there, and uh, I'm just humbled by it and uh, pleased to, in a small part, participate. Yeah, I mean, you, you've named uh, a, a bunch of really great people, and I, I, um, I would imagine the nature of the project, right, of a book of, of Gracefield Days, um, you know, incorporates, you know, demands that you incorporate writing into your prayer practice. So um, I, I'm sure very few of our readers are going to go out and write, or uh, very few of our listeners are going to go out and and write, uh, you know, kind of a, the same kind of uh, missile that you've written. But how, how, what did you learn about? writing as a as a prayer practice that might be helpful for our, our listeners again um i stress the importance of a morning ritual um even if you're not a morning person and i know that you know folks like yourself that are married with young children and working i mean you have a lot on your plate but if you can find some quiet time um if you can focus a little bit even 15 minutes and uh and and, and pray um pray, uh, reflect, maybe read something devotional, even if it's one or two things that you have access to. And I, re I recommend a journal. And uh, if you write in a journal, oftentimes, sometimes I write one sentence, sometimes I fill pages. Uh, it just depends on how the Spirit leads me and how inspired I am. But I think those three things, pray, um, read a devotional, and journal, and those three things will definitely enrich your writing, at least you know, in the sphere of inspirational, religious, spirituality, writing. Right. Um, was there any particular, I know you, you, you looked at some of the kind of the big picture graces you walked away from the project with. Was there any particular reflection that you did that uh, really surprised you or that you, you felt you really moved by? You know, um, writing the book, it, it's, it's extraordinary what you discover. You kind of, uh, you know, you're writing one day and it just takes you in a direction and you're like, you know, um, 
that was cool. That was a little bit, that was me and, and that was scripture. And, and I reflected honestly on the day and, uh, you know, I'm surprised that I could marry um, my own interests um, to this larger, you know, who am I going to add to something like a, a, an Advent reflection? I mean, but so this is for December 24th of the coming year, or no, this is this year. This is this year's Advent. So uh, December 24th, a month and a few days from now, um, <clears throat> I took a quote from Paul in Romans 16:25, brothers and sisters, to him who can strengthen you according to my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret for long ages. Well, in my prayer, I just I thought about, okay, mystery kept secret for long ages, revelation, so Advent. So my reflection, um, I'm a serious reader of mysteries. Mm -hmm. I especially love Sherlock Holmes, who famously said, when you have eliminated all which is impossible, then whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. On Christmas Eve, as we prepare for the culminating mystery of Advent, we pause and notice that a certain calm settles upon us after the crush of getting ready for Christmas Day. This seems impossible given the frenzy of the holiday season, and yet there is that moment of quiet certainty that something momentous, something miraculous, however improbable, is about to occur and you know I felt when I wrote that oh that's that's a that's a Joe reflection <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's my sort of personal engagement with uh, with the scriptures for the day as we lead up to Advent yeah thank you thank you for sharing that one um, let's let's pivot slightly because I know um, that you uh, again with this with this great you know, background in publishing, and 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 someone who um, who has worked in Catholic publishing and and kind of all across the publishing spectrum. I just want to, um, I wonder if you might just kind of share some reflections on on your career and what you've learned, and and maybe we can start with, you know, was there a, a particular publishing project that you had the most fun on? You know, um, when I first went to Loyola in the early aughts, I got a chance to work with a really talented team, and Jim Manny. Um, was my supervisor at the time, who was just a brilliant guy. Uh, I love him to pieces. Um, he wanted to take a trip to New York and see some literary agents and possibly see some authors. And so we did that. And we did that back in the day, you did a little bit more, you know, high-end acquisitions. Um, we had a chance to meet a young and upcoming Jesuit writer. In fact, we went to America House to meet him. We had dinner with him. Uh, he's a very humble guy, uh, a sweetheart. And he had been working on a memoir which I remember thinking to myself, uh, who are you to write a memoir? But hey, um, I liked some of what he'd been writing and we'd already done a little bit of work with him. So um, after dinner in Manhattan, we went back to America House and he let us read a little portion. I believe it's one chapter called The Saint in the Sock Drawer. I believe it was about St. Jude. And I remember he excused himself and Jim and I were reading from a three ring binder. And I remember looking at the material and then looking up at Jim going, oh my gosh, this is really good. And Jim said, uh, yeah. So we decided not to tell him, the author, how good it was when he came back to the room. And I think we said something like editors do. It's not bad, you know, we'll go home, talk to the team and uh, see what uh, they think and uh, we'll get back to you. And so I believe we went back raving about this book and saying to everybody who would listen in the editorial board meeting, 
we must acquire this work. We must. We have to get this book. And so we made an offer, and uh, he accepted, and then we began work. Um, Vanita Wright did a lot of great work, and they established a tremendous reputation, uh, rapport, and uh, you know, kind of helped build his reputation, literary uh, reputation. And so that book was published about a year after Jim and I sat uh, and read that first chapter. It's called My Life with the Saints. And, and, and basically, um, you know, we kind of at that point launched Father James Martin into another orbit from which he's still, you know, up there in the <laughs> higher realms. But, um, but what was amazing is I think Jim Manny and I both had a sense of the undiscovered talent that the world would soon discover once, you know, once we got this book published. And he was such a professional and such an authentic soul and such a wonderful person to work with. And so it was no surprise when he became a New York Times bestselling author and has gone on to be a real cultural figure. And, uh, and I personally uh, love him to death. He's a wonderful man. And so that was one of those wonderful projects, a project I worked on before I went to Loyola Press. I had a chance to work on a Mother Teresa project that had gone through a number of iterations. And uh, I was engaged by the publisher who acquired it to do some of the editorial reworking and retooling, and uh, I did. And it was a, a, a marvelous project where I felt like on a daily basis while I worked on it, I was engaged in a conversation in real time with Mother Teresa. And once that book was published, uh, it went out with uh, tremendous advance. Uh, I think they, I, I want to say they advanced 48,000 copies, which wow. in 1996 uh, for a hardcover like that was extraordinary. And then I remember the acquiring editor calling me and saying, you know, it's not doing anything. And I said, oh, you know, I don't know what to say. It's a great book. We all did everything we could. And then sadly, <laughs> I think that was on a Friday, we had that conversation. Mother Teresa died that weekend. Oh, geez. And uh, he called me the next week, I believe it was on a Tuesday, and said that uh, based on the computer inventory sales record they were getting, it looked like those copies had moved and they put in a print run for another 75,000 or something like that and so that book called No Greater Love um, has gone on to sell millions of copies and uh, it was a it was a joy to work on and a, a tremendous blessing that's uh, one of the more exciting projects I had a chance to work on and that was early on so kind of sort of guided the direction of, of my career in a sense yeah wow I mean Mother Teresa and, uh, and Jim Martin those are pretty good pretty good figures yes. well um, I, you know I I know this is this is probably an unfair question but I wonder uh, what what do you look for right when you're looking for the talent when you're looking for um, you know the, the the thing that the you know the world needs but doesn't yet know it needs from a writer um, how do you how do you find it how do you know it's there um, freshness um, most everything that needs to be said has been said. So what you're looking for as an editor is, how can this be said differently? Hmm. How can this be said in a fresh take that incorporates um, nuance and um, kind of a, a, an added perspective? Um, is the author authentic? Um, do they have a way of sharing their enthusiasm, their passion, uh, their experience in a way that's going to capture the reader? Do they speak to the reader? Um, are they an author who writes to the reader? And do they establish quickly a, a rapport, a bond with the reader? Do they make the reader want to turn the page? Do they make the reader want to learn more about them? Um, I look for authors who inspire. Of course, in my work, it's largely spirituality and religion. Um, 
the biggest thing for me is to look for authors who are legitimately um, good people and find a way to express that goodness so we're offering one more if you will testimonial to um, to the world that hey it, it's not so bad there mm -hmm. there's good all around us and uh, here's one more missive to remind you that uh, don't despair don't be afraid it's okay one of my favorite quotes um, and you know I had this above my computer for years and years um, and this would guide me a lot of times editorially in my acquisitions uh, again Frederick Buechner here is the world beautiful and terrible things will happen don't be afraid and, you know, you can't help but watch the news today, you know, pick up a newspaper, read online. Uh, that's as true as the day he wrote it. And so what I look for is people who remind us, um, authors who remind us to have hope, to keep the faith and to, uh, to not be afraid. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great place to, uh, to, to leave our listeners, um, as we, as we, you know, go off into Advent and, and Christmas and, um, and looking for that hope, waiting, waiting, trusting, knowing that hope is coming. Joe, it's been a pleasure as always. Thanks for, uh, thanks for being here today. Thanks for your work. And we'll put a link to your, uh, your book in the, in the, uh, the description so folks can get a copy for themselves. Eric, thank you very much for taking the time to do this today and, uh, blessings to you and your family as you prepare for the coming Advent holiday. Thank you. AMDG is a production of the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States and recorded at our headquarters in Washington, D.C. This episode was edited by me, Eric Clayton. Our theme music is by Kevin Lasky. The Jesuit Conference communications team is Mike Lasky, Marcus Bleach, Megan Leapsch, Becky Sindelar, Kristen Smith, and me, Eric Clayton. Connect with the Jesuits at Jesuits.org and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Get our weekly email reflection series, Now Discern This, by visiting Jesuits.org weekly. If you or someone you know would like to learn more about becoming a Jesuit or Jesuit life in general, connect with your local vocation promoter at BeAJesuit.org. Drop us an email with questions or comments at media at Jesuits.org. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And finally, as St. Ignatius may or may not have said, go and set the world on fire.